welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, Painting Elephants. Hop on board with The Long Road this week, but brace yourselves, for the first five minutes of the show, we've absolutely lost our minds, uh, and barely a coherent thought enters the audiosphere. We rally, though, and get on to discussing today's topic, stories and why they matter. And then we lose it again. Quite the journey. Kev Moore brings us another slice of his Camino Trek pie, and Steve Bonham shares the next entry in his Songs About the Road journal. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the vagabond, the adventurer. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. And if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you join us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A joy to be entering your brain through your ears once again this week. On that topic, a huge thank you and shout out goes to all the independent radio DJs around the world who have been dropping us notes of support and playing our recent tracks, in particular Western Requiem. It's really great to know people out there are enjoying the music. Um, if you get a chance at home, have a hunt around on the internet for an independent radio station. There will be one playing great stuff you've never heard before, I can guarantee it. Anyway, on to today's chat. We talk about a topic central to the Festival of the Artisan, which is launching next week. Keep your eyes and ears out on social media for for posts about that. We need you. Find the festival on Facebook, Festival of the Artisan, or Twitter, Festival Artisan, or one word, uh, and Instagram, Festival of the Artisan, or one word. In this episode this week, a few little highlights in the uh, three-way chat coming up. You get to hear me forget entirely the word announce or announcement from my vocabulary. Uh, Perhaps the most raucous, unhinged opening to a podcast chat we've ever done. Those of you who know my laugh or have heard it before on this podcast, it makes an appearance in a few places here and there. Um, We have a good eight or so minutes in the middle where we're on topic, though, sounding coherent, so that's all good. Uh, But then we absolutely lose it again. Um, Hope you enjoy it. Over to me. Everybody, the long road are together again for another one of our online digital chats. Uh, we, I mean, we'd love to be in the same room together, but it's just yeah. not possible right now. So we're going to carry on doing doing them on Zoom. So we've got uh, Kev at home in Spain. Hello, Kev. Hello there. There we go. And Steve at home in Derbyshire. Bonjour, ça va? Bonjour, bien. Merci, merci. Mon petit chou. Vigators, dear. Oui. Good sight, Oh, wow. Um, so, what me and Steve have been up to a lot this last week is getting ready for the launch of the Festival of the Artisan 2021, which we talked a little bit about last time, I think. Um, and there's a couple of sort of strands on that that will be, will be uh, what's the word, sort of making public, I suppose, in the coming weeks. Uh, disclosing. And kind of as disclosing. Group. Revealing. <laughs> disclosing. That makes it sound... Revealing is a better term. Disclosing oh, makes well, it sound like Well, you know, there's this terrible. thing in presentations called the slow reveal... Perhaps you could do the slow reveal the show. Start with a dressing gown cord of life and move. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that, that is what my what my Saturday Night Blackpool show used to be called, was the slow reveal. Um, three, and a, three and a half hours of the bishop in drag, quietly, <laughs> quietly staring at the audience while slowly revealing his Hammond organ. <laughs> 
Um, Maybe we shouldn't ever do a live one of these because we can't edit out (laughs) rubbish like this. (laughs) Anyway, the slow reveal. Um, So, I mean, the the two strands we're talking about is there's going to be a a sort of public participation thing that Kev is going to be writing a song for. And we're going to get as many people all over the world, if we can, to join in on. Uh, And it's right now it's called the Festival Anthem. And that might be the name that that sticks long term. Who knows? It might be. Uh, I do have a name uh, for uh, it, but I'm not going to reveal it yet. (laughs) Oh wow! Well, that will be a, the part of the slow reveal later on. Uh, we'll get you. We'll get your dressing gown sent through. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to have one of those like could... little knotty tassels on the belt, you know. Yeah. All yeah. I can picture now is these festival branded <laughs> dressing gowns that we flog, twenty five quid a pot. <laughs> Just Sounds good to me. Slowly revealing. Got, you've got to make yeah, a turn. Merch. Merch. Um, oh my God, we're four minutes in and we haven't talked about anything. Artisan uh, right, flannelette. So, the, so, so, so the, the, um, the, the festival anthem, or whatever Kev ends up talk, calling it, um, that strand of the project. But also, there's going to be another one where we're going to see if we can find somebody or some group of people that have a, a story to tell. Uh, and our own Steve Bonham is going to write their story into a song. So those two things sort of got us thinking about how important stories are, why stories matter. The phrase that we've been sort of using on and off for the last few months, I suppose, or over the last year, the extraordinary stories of ordinary folk. Because we, I think, as, the, as a trio, we do believe that everyone's got their story to tell. We're working out how to tell our bits of our story. And even that process for us changed along the way. The way we told a story 18 months ago is different to how we told it nine months ago. It's different to how we're going to tell it now at the start of 2021. So the extraordinary stories of ordinary folk chaps. Steve, from your point of view, what does that mean to you? I was just sitting listening to you there and discarding the idea of the dressing gown. And, uh... That's going to haunt us, isn't it? That's haunting <laughs> this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I think the great thing, great, the great songs, the great songs and the, the ones that I love, uh, you know, are the, the songs written by people like Woody Guthrie and those sort of folk songs. So I'm not a folk song singer in that way i do love the idea that this is the way people tell stories you know and i like the people in in them you know people's got all ever you talk to anybody and they'll suddenly start talking about your uncle jim or great aunt susan i I mean a number of people who've got relatives uh who went down on the titanic you know it's just unbelievable in life you know there must be millions of people went down on that boat but that idea of authenticity you know that makes it real you know it's you're tapping in even if you've kind of made the story up a bit to kind of make it into a song form it shines it shines out you know and I think when I was a kid I stories I loved I had to believe the characters I I couldn't get on with the famous five or the secret seven completely out of the out of you know all that lashings of ginger beer and holes and cake in the middle of the day. I mean, the only person who knows cake in probably is Kev. So, but yeah, I was just about to take issue with you uh, there, Steve. Yeah, well, I can see. (laughs) Perfectly acceptable. I can see you in your shorts. My dressing gown. (laughs) Sun hat, skipping down to the lake with your cake and getting on the rowboat. Looking out for pirates. And heading off to see me, great aunt Fanny, or whatever her name is. Yeah, great aunt Fanny, yeah. 
<laughs> now she was on after me in Blackpool. She was. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> great. Indeed. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, we got off track there, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that, a good song. A good song feels real, you know. Yeah. And so the best place to get real songs is from ordinary people, yeah. and the lives they've led. You know, that seems to me fantastic, and everything. I think we've ever tried to do is try to tap into that that world, you know. I, I'm drawn to that in some uh, some instances with writers. Some of my favourite songs are about almost inconsequential minutiae, you know. There's a song by Amy Mann called The Moth, and it's literally, you know she's been sat in a room watching a moth fighting with the light bulb, yeah. you know. You know that's where yeah. it's come from, and it's it's she uses it as a beautiful metaphor. And there's a song by Jan Ackerman, you might remember from Focus, and oh, a yeah. singer called Kaz Lux. And it's just a beautiful track called Eli. And it, it's, it's just really observational. It, it just starts with Eli cuts wood. He's got strong hands. I mean, it's, it's just a guy chopping some yeah. wood. Yeah. But something about it, and, the, and, and when it's presented within a musical form, is beautiful. And um, so it doesn't have to be a grand tale to be something that you can access and enjoy as a musical piece. It, it's sometimes the, the simpler, the better. And be- beauty in simplicity. And sometimes people might think that their story is, because they're so close to it, that it's just mm. their sort of dull, mundane, day-to-day story. Mm. But other people, other people, they go, your life is fascinating. Or, your, or that experience you had is... Yeah. You know, a beautiful experience. Yeah. We, can we? We need to share it with the world. Sometimes you're too close to something to know that, and you actually need somebody else from the outside to go. This is amazing. Certainly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, two two great guys who died in the last uh, couple of years. One's Guy Clark, and the other's John Prine, and they were masters mm. of that. They were masters of finding something almost yeah inconsequential and tiny, and then just making that. Mm. For every man and every woman, you know, I mean, there's a beautiful song, and I get, like, always get the lyric and the title wrong, so to, you know, looking it up could be difficult. It's a song uh, by Guy Clark called "My Favorite Picture of You," and mm. and it's the love of his life, his wife, um, who he had a very difficult and odd relationship with, and it's a, just literally an Instagram picture pinned to the wall and she's really cross about the photograph being taken and we all know that photograph straight away we all know exactly what was going on there and he's written a whole song and it's gorgeous called my favorite picture of you you've got the title right steve (laughs) spot on my my favorite picture of you i've just looked up yeah nailed it i love that i mean they've been i mean john prine who i came to later i think Hmm. just could pick out any topic you know from life as a mailman to Anything are just right, incredibly beautiful moments. So I'm looking, really looking forward to this project. You know what will come out of it. That's going to be exciting. I think as writers, you just sort of uh, open your arms and, and 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 wait to see what comes in. I mean, sometimes it's just an absolute gift. Um, yeah. Like for for me, meeting Pine Top Perkins. How could you not write about him? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but, but then by the on the same trip sat in a in a in a bar and, and just watching a particularly wonderful guitarist who was you know not not famous or anything pick up a beer bottle from the table and play a blistering solo and you know yeah. that inspired me to to write a song about it so these ideas can come in all forms and i guess that's why we'll never run out of material really the the notion of having of creating this 
the song, the 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 story, the journey of this, whatever the idea is, um, it's the it's a it's a confluence of lots of things. It's the inspiration from a particular event, perhaps. It's musical no notions that we have about what things mean and how we represent those things musically. A particular chord shape or a particular chord pattern or a a little lick or things like that, and then. It can be a couple of those things that sort of just snowballs, mm-hmm. and it grows, and it's and it pick, picks up more stuff, and it grows, uh, and perhaps before you know it, you've got the you you know you've got your three minute song. Yeah, yeah. I think when you've got a sto- when you've got a stockpile of experiences, like for example, when the, the Steve and I have been on, on our individual journeys, you sort of stockpile experiences i've I've got a, a huge amount now from doing the Camino, which haven't yet manifested in song except one that's probably going to appear shortly with The Long Road that was written just literally the night before I went, which was uh, yeah. sort of thinking about going on it. But um, the sometimes then there'll be licks that we play or mess about with on, on guitar or piano, and it will then trigger something in your mind about something you've done that fits the musical mood. And you go, oh, that, that's good to put these words to that I thought about when I was walking up that mountain or whatever, you know. There's something about a story that you have to honour uh, and, and, and find in all these bits. You think, well, it, it's all in service of that story. You yeah. know, it, I, it's interesting. I'm actually genuinely uh, nervous about this project uh, uh, because once I, if it's my story, I can, I can burrow away and if I don't get it right, well, that's my responsibility, you know, and... But then the yeah. idea of somebody giving me a story and saying, turn that into something. I mean, it's happened to me before, but it does make me very concerned that I honour that story and the place it's come from and the person who's told me it. It's, I guess it's like painting a portrait, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I guess if you're painting a portrait, you think, I better not do, you know, I don't not put a big rubber nose on the Queen or something like that. That's not going to go down well. Or, well... Or yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> or you you go all Churchill on it. Wasn't there a portrait of Churchill? Oh yeah, by and I nearly said Donald Sutherland, but as far as I know, he didn't paint. Uh, the guy who no, painted David, somebody painted elephants, uh, which was a yeah. mistake. Why would you go from a man who's famous for painting <laughs> elephants? I might be making this up actually. I mean, my, but Run I think he was it, famous. Run with it. Think. I mean. Let's let's get him to paint a picture of the Queen. I mean, she's a very small woman for a start. (laughs) We should have a disclaimer, though, for all the animal lovers out there that we weren't referring to actual elephants being painted. We were referring to (laughs) paintings of elephants. for no reason other than it's the last one from our recently released American Wilderness Odyssey album that we haven't yet played on the podcast. We're going to play now the last track, White Lightning, Red Mustang. If you want to find out more about the background to this song uh, and all the other 14 songs on this album, you can get your American Wilderness Odyssey companion book, which includes a free download of this album plus another 18 tracks from our own Kev Moore. Just head to thelongroadband.net slash AWO. You'll notice our new web address, thelongroadband.net slash AWO. Just £10 for the companion and you get those free downloads as well. If you want a limited edition CD along with your companion, that's just £15. Again, from 
from thelongroadband.net slash AWO. Anyway, here is White Lightning Red Mustang. Blue Ridge, where 
episode of my very irregular songs about the road. American friend Bill Barnes uh, wrote me a lovely note over the weekend. He'd just been listening to uh, our Western Requiem track and he, he really enjoyed it. And maybe I slightly impressed him with my songwriting capability because he offered me the chance to write a song about Monica Bonobo, um, who apparently, at least 30, 40 years ago, uh, worked for the Indiana Bell Telephone Company. Well, why he wanted me to write this song is is important. See, Monica Bonobo, as far as I can tell, never did anything that would necessarily make an Englishman reach for his guitar to write a song. In fact, we don't know anything about her. Uh, Bill doesn't know much. Maybe, maybe his wife knows a bit more. But I, I know, I know nothing. I know nothing. No, he wanted Bill wanted me to write a song because it was a great sound, Monica Bonobo. And I have to agree with him. Quite often, it is the sound of words to do the work when you're trying to write a song. In uh, my song, Riding the Road, as a result of a bet, the word Studbucker, which was a particularly tinny old American car, appears because, because, well, it sounds magical. And that is a quality of words. Words are so much more than a piece of meaning a literal piece of meaning. They're a sound. Studbacher. Monica Bonabo. They're a rhythm. They're a code that unlocks all sorts of hidden doors in your mind. They're spells. They're hallucinations. The word abracadabra, it appears, it's an old Aramaic word, which means I create as I speak. What a fantastic idea. I create as I speak. As I speak particular words, other words and images and emotions explode in other people's minds. I love that idea. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious even though the sound of it can make you sound precocious. We loved it. As kids, we wanted to say it. We wanted to enjoy its rhythm. We wanted to enjoy its nonsense. We wanted to enjoy its spell. And words could get you out of holes. Winston Churchill famously denied the right to call an opposition member a liar or indeed to refer to the nonsense he had just spoken as a lie, offered the term terminological inexactitude, a word that means exactly the same as the little one. I loved that word most of my life. I think I heard it when I was about eight and just reveled in the splendid mischievousness of it. It's been rather tarnished recently because... That supine, maleficent git, late of Slytherin, Jacob Rees Mogg has taken to using it. So, we'll abandon that one. 
But the sound of words and the rhythm of words and the meaning of words are always elusive. There's a feeling now, there's a drift now that you have to be very precise with language. I reject it utterly. It's an absolute travesty to, to, to the way we learn and the way we use language. Being someone who reads more than one should as a child, I mispronounce so many words. Uh, a, a feature, a feature that I passed on to my daughter Samantha, who would often describe one of the major characters in Harry Potter as Hermione, one, which is how she read Hermione. But that's okay. Not knowing what a word means is part of its charm. Hearing the sound, hearing the words, that's how we've learned. We started off by knowing none. If you let Grammarly, that revolting piece of software, take control of your life, you will find it quite sniffily often tells you. A knowledgeable audience might feel this sentence is hard to read. Or... Even a knowledgeable audience may be unfamiliar with the word. And the word in this case was instinctive. Certainly. We can all make mistakes as we hear these words. But if Grammarly, the thought police, going to restrict us to the words an unknowledgeable audience might use then our world will be a poor, a much less magical place. I love the sound of words. Sometimes I'll carry them round like secret jewels to be popped into a song just because I can. Such a word was phantasmagorical. I love the word phantasmagorical. I looked it up in the dictionary.com to make sure I had got its meaning right. Dictionary.com boldly told me it was a big word. <laughs> a big word more likely to be found in learned texts. Well, it's also found in the song you're about to hear. As is the word babological. And babological, I thought... I had made up just because it sounded good. But there in internet land, there's something called Babologic. Though for the life of me, I cannot find out what it actually means. Ain't no particular place I'm walking to. Just looking for adventures, honey. Let's start with you. It's indisputable. A sign of the times It's irrefutable Across the line Ain't no particular place I'm walking to Ain't no particular hole I'm falling down I'm sinking the old boat, honey I'm letting it drown It's biological We're touching the skies Phantasmagorical, we're gonna fly Ain't no particular hole, I'm falling down Wherever we go, 
Everybody and welcome to Kev's Cafe Corner. You join me again as I relate tales of my trek along the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. And uh, today we reach Saturday, October the 10th. Last time, you may remember, I had pitched the tent for the night, accidentally made coffee with sparkling apple water, filled my tent with condensation by boiling it inside and been mesmerised by a million stars as I ventured out into the night to answer the call of nature. So it'll be no surprise to you then to discover that I had a terrible night's sleep. Camping is a, a fun idea in principle, lots of jolly campfire singing and beans, but rain and condensation have a habit of putting a dampener on things. By morning, everything was absolutely soaking wet. My hat, my bedroll, my sleeping bag, my clothes. And the rain wasn't letting up for a good hour in the morning. I had to pack everything away wet. Not ideal. You're just creating problems for yourself down the line. 
I did sleep, but it wasn't restful and hardly surprising, with probably the same helpful idiot beeping his horn at both midnight and 7am. Sodden equipment stowed, I set off for Villa Vicchiosa, but as with the last time I'd camped, I was utterly exhausted. My mindset further deteriorated as I realised I'd lost the cross that I was carrying along the Camino. I'm not remotely religious, but I'd found it in the strangest circumstances in Bilbao bus station, a memory from a lifetime ago that had fallen out of my old suitcase that I'd used to get my rucksack safely through its flight. I was so upset at its loss that I walked a whole kilometre back along the trail looking everywhere for it, but to no avail. I hope it brings comfort to whoever finds it. Perhaps it was meant to stay on the Camino after all. Today was very tough, but once again the scenery sustained me. The hills were gruelling and it seemed to me that on the Camino proper there were very few places to rest. I was carrying soaking wet heavy camping gear and it was raining. Gradually, although the inclines got steeper, the rain eased off. Once again I found myself short of water. It's the hiker's dilemma, it's heavy to carry but necessary for survival. I pressed on and then suddenly there it was, a beautiful Camino sign and one next to it depicting a tap. I'd stumbled upon a beautiful little pilgrim rest stop at a private house. I filled my canteen at the ornamental tap and greeted the lady there. There was a, a carport of sorts and within its shelter a vending machine, table and benches and walls covered in messengers from Pellegrinos from all over the world. I added my name to them and refreshed and uplifted, continued onwards. Next time I stumble upon the abandoned alberg. Bye for now. <laughs> Daily Bread this week, and for the first time in quite a long time, I think, it's actually about bread. Um, I've made a few quick loaves this week. It's been a busy few days at Vagabond HQ, um, so needing quick, comforting food has been the order of the day, uh, but also taking the, the few minutes out every so often to actually make a loaf. Uh, it's good for the brain, it's good for the soul, I think. Um, except this week, just about every single loaf um, I'd made has been sat proving in a warm place for literally hours and hours and hours, far longer than I intended to. You know, I, I'll set the timer on my phone, I'll get down to doing some work, um, switch the timer off when it goes off, and immediately forget there was ever a timer. Um, there was one occasion this week that was even worse. Horror gripped my soul when I realised I'd done the exact same thing with the timer, but I'd left a loaf in the oven. Um, I realised, audibly gasped, you know, think Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future, those of you who know, know, um, and I hurtled downstairs this loaf, which was in a, a tin with a lid, uh, it must have been in for, I don't know, 90 minutes rather than the 35 or so I'd aimed for, uh, I mean luckily the kitchen wasn't filled with smoke, got the um, the loaf out, had a quick peek, yep, it looked pretty brown, uh, but actually not disastrously so, um, a while later once it had cooled, I chopped off a slice, um, and apart from a very, very, very thick crust, it's actually completely fine. Um, didn't last as long as normal, went stale a lot quicker, but if you thinly sliced it and toasted it, you got a sort of Melba toast. I was quite pleased, really. A happy accident. 
Subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts. The next episode will be out next Friday. Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thelongroadband. If you fancy buying us a coffee, you now can at buymeacoffee.com slash thelongroadband. It's dead simple just to drop us a few quid to support what we do. It even accepts Apple Pay and Google Pay. Super easy. All of our music and merch is on Bandcamp, where you can support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Download, streaming, vinyl, CDs, the companion book, it's all there. TheLongRoadBand.Bandcamp.com. You'll notice that address has changed as well. We're on Patreon at Patreon.com slash TheVagabondWay. Big thank you to our Patreons and a special shout-out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Stuart Lydon, Yvette Lydon and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your ongoing support. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you, to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of the things that we make. So, become a Vagabonder. That's our name for our supporters on Patreon. To help us create music, live performances, books and short stories, this weekly podcast, our YouTube show, and some new things that we're cooking up. As a Vagabonder, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive patron-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive live stream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within, patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds, and explorers, for joining us on the vagabond way remember the world isn't beige it's authentic it's rich and it's real embrace every last bit of it until next time the journey goes ever on with the long road bye for now